What's going on, people? It's y'all, Black Alanji, back with another episode of the Ramblin' Mind Podcast. How are y'all doing today? I hope y'all are having a good day. I don't know if y'all can hear it. The birds are twiddling. We have a nice crisp, crisp, crisp air outside. So I'm feeling pretty good right now. I'm feeling pretty good. The sun is shining, the clouds are out, the leaves are blooming, or the flowers are blooming. I'm feeling good. When the weather is good, I feel good. It's just good. It's just, ugh, it's just good. But then I guess, then again, there is like supposed to be a storm that's about to blow through. So, you know what they say, the calm before the storm. But, uh, it just feels, it looks really beautiful outside. Sorry, I'm talking away from the mic because I'm looking outside as I said that. Looks really, really beautiful outside. I hope y'all are doing good. I hope y'all are doing well. I hope y'all are in your best health possible. Uh, I hope y'all had a great Easter weekend. Hope y'all celebrate the resurrection of Christ, which is fire, which is dope. A great thing to celebrate. Not just that he resurrected, but is resurrected and is risen and still alive and all that wonderful wonderful stuff even though we had easter different this year because obviously we can't really gather like we normally would it was still dope it was still dope having an easter service online and just gathering with uh with the family with the church family online it was still it was still pretty cool it was pretty cool it was a nice nice easter service it's different but it was still dope it's different but it was still dope but anyway it was great. It was a good weekend. I think I, I had a had a good weekend. I hope y'all had a great weekend as well. I hope it was just as celebratory for y'all and as enjoyable for y'all as it was for me. That's my hope and that's my prayer for all of us that we had a wonderful and great, great, great weekend. But anyway, that's besides it. Let's talk about some of the stuff that we need to talk about on here. So... Before we get into the topic of today, the first thing that I want to talk about is just a quick update on the portfolio. So last week, the stock market did some some good stuff. Like it closed out on a super high. I mean, look, it's made up. I think we dropped when initially the market crashed or went all the way to its all time low or not all time low, but went dropped from its all time high. It dropped all the way to uh, 30 percent. But then since then, the market has made a ridiculous recovery. I think it's recovered about 20% of its initial losses that it had. For me, that means that my stuff is starting to go back into the green as far as this portfolio is concerned. I'll go into my M1 portfolio here in a second and talk about that. But my Robinhood portfolio has come back into the green. Now, are we out of the bear market? We don't really know. And that's the thing about the stock market that doesn't make sense. And that's why you can't really look at the stock market as like to tell if the economy is doing well or not because the stock market doesn't necessarily follow the thread the thread trend not thread trend of the economy i mean if you think about it more businesses are being closed we're having higher and higher unemployment numbers i think the unemployment filing as of thursday last week was about 16 million people which we'll talk about that more on thursday's podcast so that's why you can't look at the stock market and be like, oh, the stock market is doing well, so therefore the economy is doing well. No, those two things do not correlate. So we'll talk about more about like how the stock market and all of that stuff looks at the economy and how the economy looks at that and why some news doesn't affect it and some news affects it, but we'll do that on Thursday. Today, though, 
we'll talk about the different types of investments that you can make on the stock market. But before we get into that, I just wanted to update y'all on the portfolio. And basically, the only update I have on the portfolio is something that I'm going to start doing to make it more of a consistent effort to ensure that I am always doing some kind of investment in the market. So one of the things that I'm doing is I am selling out of Gamer. I'm going to sell out of this Gamer share uh, just because I just... This one was bought basically out of like frivolous spending. Not necessarily frivolous spending, but it was like, oh, I want to invest into the Gamer fund and this is an ETF I want to invest into the gaming industry and I didn't really do a good amount of research and I just bought it because it, there's not a whole lot of like available ETFs in the gaming industry so it's just better off for me to buy a single stock for that one rather than buying like a gamer ETF and this ETF was just not that great in all honesty when I looked at it again and as I continue to understand stuff understanding the expense ratio of it which is ridiculously high I think the expense ratio of this one is about 0.7, which is which is pretty high for a ETF. And so and that's something that we we'll talk about today on like expense ratios and stuff like that. But it was just kind of high. And so I'm just thinking I'm going to sell out of it. I'm going to sell out of that ETF. And what I'm going to do is I'm going to, as we talked about before, is I'm going to buy Comcast because I want to own Comcast because I believe it is a safe stock to own. As well as one thing that I started doing is doing direct deposit, which a little tip that I want to give everybody that may have a that may have a Robinhood account. One thing everyone I believe everybody should do is to go ahead and open a checking account with Robinhood. The reason I say that is it makes it much easier for you for you to move money in and out of the account consistently. It just makes it a lot easier with the checking account for me to do a direct deposit with my job to just directly put the money I don't even want to see it so that I like we talked about last week I remove myself from the equation so that money just automatically goes into this account so every two weeks about $40 is gonna go into this account so that I can immediately just invest that money either invest it or just leave it there for it to grow a little bit and then use that money to buy individual stocks one of the things that I'm thinking about doing a little bit more is if there's no stock that I'm necessarily passionate about buying at a point in time, I might start doing something where I just buy ETFs, where I just keep buying ETFs and building the ETF so that at least my money is going into something that is going to give me some kind of returns regularly. So that's something that I'm going to be doing. So I think everyone should open some kind of checking account. That's if your job offers like a direct deposit. Otherwise, you have to do you can do it another way where you just do a direct deposit every so every two weeks or something like that with your regular Robinhood account. But if you have a if your job pays you, whether it's once a month or every two weeks or on the first and the 15th, whatever it is, you can open a Robinhood checking account and that way they'll send you a card, which the card is pretty cool. Actually, I can't show you guys that <laughs> the card is pretty cool. And um. It's a pretty cool card, but I never actually use the card because I just don't need to use the card. The card can sit at home because that's not the point of the account. The account is literally just so that I don't get in the way of the automated system of having my work literally transfer some of my paycheck right into this checking account so that I don't get in that flow. And every two weeks, I'm going to be de depositing about $40. Every two weeks, $40 is just going to go into this account, which is about $80 a month. 
and that translates into a good amount of money every month that is being transferred into this. So if you do 80 times 12, what is that? 80 times 12 is 960. So 960 dollars. No, that's not right. 80 times 12. Man, that is sad. 12 times 8. Yeah, nine, 960. What, what am I doing? 960, yes. I don't know what I was thinking. So $960 every month or every year will be deposited into this account that I will use to invest in one way or another. I'm also going to be doing that with my M1 Finance. With M1 Finance, they have something called the Spend Account, which they haven't sent me mine yet. But you can do basically the same thing. And it's basically just the easier way to transfer money in and out of the account easily, right? So it's just the easier way for me to be able to transfer money in and out of an account so I don't have to deal with all the minutia of actually like hey let me get my phone out because right now we have free time for those who are working and working from home right now i'm at home so i'm able to like look at these funds and look at all these things and look at it regularly but once i start working uh, well i'm still working regularly but once i'm not i don't have the same amount of free time as i do right now it will be harder for me to like actually be paying attention intensively over all these things which is another reason why i wanted to do some etfs and those kind of things but anyway that was the robin hood account and this the next thing i want to show is my m1 finance account which the update on it is that it's made money because the last time that i had this account i had put in a hundred dollars and that a hundred dollars lost seven dollars in like the span of a few days but now it's at 107 dollars which means like we said just with the robin hood one the account is coming back up and the markets are coming back up and one of the things that i did the 40 dollars thing into this account as well i've transferred 40 dollars. so combined i'm going to be investing about 160 dollars every month into these two accounts and i'll update y'all as to how the account is going so if you want to make an account that looks similar to mine or you want to do your own type of thing you can do whatever you want but i'm just going to be doing this because this is kind of a learning experience for me and i want other people to kind of get something out of it i'm gonna try and learn from anybody who has any experience investing as well and you guys can learn from some of the things that i'm learning as you go about this journey so one of the moves that i'm making is i'm investing about 40 dollars extra into my technology part of my pie in m1 finance and i'm putting an extra 40 dollars in there into microsoft apple and ibm and let me see I can show y'all some of the activity, which is my the upcoming trades that I'm making. And also I put in about $10 into real estate as well to just, and the good thing about M1 Finance that is really beautiful is the fact that M1 Finance actually allows you to do partial trades or buy partial stocks. That's one thing with Robinhood that I hate. Robinhood doesn't let you do partial stock investments, which would be so nice. They said they're rolling out that feature, but they haven't rolled it out yet so that's unfortunate i think i'm number let me see they had it somewhere on here where i was like uh i'm number like two million and something to be able to get the benefits of fractional shares yeah fractional shares which i invest i i signed up for it and i think everybody should sign up for it as soon as possible so that you can at least be able to automate your system to buy partial shares over time with some of the dividends that you earn but anyway, I've been rambling for a minute about talking about these portfolios. Basically, nothing, nothing has really changed so far, but I'll be updating everybody as time progresses. The idea of these portfolios is to be focused more on dividend investment. In other words, trying to make some kind of part passive income over time. 
But anyway, today, the main focus of today is to talk about the different types of stocks that you can invest in when you look at the stock market, the different types of things that you can invest in. Now, we're not talking about things like, yes, you can invest in real estate, you can invest in different businesses and all that stuff. We're not talking about that. We're mainly focusing on how you can invest in the stock market. And I want to break down the different types of ways you can invest in the stock market because I had a conversation and I found out that most people don't know all the different variabilities that are in stocks. So let's begin. The first type is basically what everybody already knows, which is shares. Which, what are shares? Shares are units of ownerships in ownership interest in a corporation or financial asset that provide for an equal distribution in any profits, if any, are declared in the form of dividends. Which, at the end of this, we'll talk about dividends. I've said it like multiple times already in this video and in this podcast. But at the end, we'll talk about what exactly are dividends because I don't think a lot of people know exactly what dividends are. But basically, the idea is you bring money you bring money and you get a portion an ownership stake within a company is what it means you buy a portion of a company now for us for you and i who are regular people that don't have millions and millions of dollars in capital to invest into a company we own very little portions of the company but nevertheless you get voting rights of how the company acts and you get opportunity to say how the company is going to be but it's a very very limited amount of voting rights that you get because one share does not mean you own a company at one percent one share depends on the amount of shares that that company has issued out so that that can vary from company to company for so in order to have one full percentage of a company you have to spend like millions and millions of dollars which i don't have that kind of money with me today but maybe one day i will and i'll own a big company and uh you know make money off of that but Praying for that day to come, that day is not today. So anyway, that's the basic one. Everyone knows what a share is. Most people knows, oh, shares. Oh, and and one thing I want to talk about is like the distinction between shares and stock. For the most part, they're the same thing. But the only main difference is that a stock is like the company itself and you buy a share of a stock. So it's like, let's say, for example, Microsoft. Microsoft would be the stock. And then when you buy a share, it means you're buying a share of Microsoft. So that's just basically what it is. Everybody basically has an idea of of that. Everybody knows that type of thing. Whenever anybody thinks about investing in the stock market, everybody thinks about buying single shares. So now let's move into some other categories of investing in the stock market. The next one is something called REIT, otherwise known as a real estate interest investment trust. This is... Let me give you a straight up definition that I got from Investopedia, which Investopedia is a great resource for you to do some research, to learn some of these words, to try to understand more about some of the phrases that you may read about or see about when you're trying to research a company or anything like that. But a real estate investment trust, or otherwise known as a REIT, is a company that owns, operates, or finances income generating real estate. It's modeled after mutual funds, which we'll talk about mutual funds here in a second, REITs pull together the capital of numerous investors. This makes it possible for individual investors such as you and I to earn dividends from real estate investments without having to buy, manage, or finance any properties ourselves. So basically, real estate investment trusts or REITs are basically a way for us to 
take away the hassle of being like a landlord when you buy a property, a rental property, and you rent it out, and you have to like fix all the stuff within the house. You have to make sure that your renters are paying their rent on time. You have to do all that stuff. It basically removes the headache and allows you to invest in them. So the idea of a a REIT is pretty simple. You are the investor. You bring your money and you give it to whatever that REIT is. It can be a mortgage REIT, which there are all types of different kinds of REITs, which we'll go through a couple here in a second. There are all kinds of different types. So you can have a mortgage REIT or a industrial REIT or a data center REIT, whatever. You give them the money, they use that money, they invest it, they buy different assets. They own the assets, but they pay you whenever the income comes from rental income or interest is made or whatever, they pay that back to you. Now, the cool thing about a REIT is about 90% of their income has to be paid back out to the investors, which is one of the reasons why people love REITs. You get some of the highest dividends when you're looking at investments. So let's go through some a couple of different types of REITs. You can have a mortgage REIT, which a mortgage REIT is basically a REIT based around giving people loans for their mortgages. Or you can have a residential REIT, which is what is like your apartment properties or those kind of things, townhouses, those kind, those type of places. Then you can have industrial REITs, such as warehouses and those kind of things. You can have healthcare REITs, which is you can have wellness centers, nursing homes, hospitals, those kind of things as well can be in REITs. Data center, like I said earlier, with especially with that growing a little bit more, where we're moving more to the cloud and all those kind of things. So you can have that as well. So REITs are a great way if you're trying to make uh high level high amount of dividends REITs are a great way to do it because 90% of whatever income that the REIT makes they have to pay that out however not all REITs are made equally so we're not talking about dividends if you compare like for example Microsoft's dividend for example Microsoft dividend ratio is uh, dividend yield is about 1.24% which is not a bad percentage but when you compare it to something like a REIT a REIT, for example, Realty Income Corp is, a, is, a, is an example of a REIT. They pay out a dividend ratio, uh, a dividend yield of about 4.93%. So you can see the big difference. And then when you look at their payout ratio for Realty Income Corp, they pay out a ratio, a payout at about 80%, where Microsoft only pays about 36% of their profits, which makes sense. For a REIT, they have to pay out about 90% of their profits back to the investors who put the money in where on the other side microsoft is a company that has to reinvest into itself using its profits to continue generating more profits if that makes any sense so that's another type of investment that you can do buy into real estate investment trust it removes all the headaches of like actually you having to have like a good amount of money to go buy a property and most of the time you probably don't have all that much money to buy the property so you end up buying a cheaper property which means you have to fix up the property and then when you fix it, you have to put a whole lot of money if you want for uh for you to actually get real estate to get a rental property up and running where on a REIT you can just invest in a company that already owns property and then it's a lot easier for you to start seeing some of those returns however when you compare a REIT to actual real estate real estate more money in, more money out. You see more money immediately from real estate. Or REITs, it takes you, just like investing in anything else, when it comes to the stock market, it takes a much longer time to get to the point where you're gonna see 
uh, a substantial amount of income coming out of it. So moving on from there, moving to the next type of investment you can make is mutual funds. So what are mutual funds? A mutual fund is a type of financial vehicle made up of a pool of money collected from many investors to invest in securities like stock, bonds, money market instruments, and other assets. Mutual funds are operated by professional money managers who allocate the fund's asset and attempt to produce capital gains or income for the fund's investors. So, mutual funds, unlike single stocks, usually are a bunch of companies put all together into one under one name. So for example, I'll bring up a Vanguard mutual fund. You usually look at what are their holdings. So for example, like for like this is a Vanguard growth and income fund investor shares. It has multiple companies and their top 10 holdings are Microsoft, Apple, Amazon, Johnson & Johnson, Facebook, Google, Verizon, Visa, JP Morgan, MasterCard. Basically, a mutual fund just exposes you to multiple companies under one name, under one fund, under one ticker name, under one ideology or, or I won't say ideology, but under one thing. And the idea is that you're not exposed to any of the, it's a good way to hedge your bet. You're not exposed to the high highs of companies, neither are you exposed to the low lows. So if a company is doing really bad, you won't be exposed to those losses. But if a company is doing really well as well, you won't be exposed to those gains as well. It just kind of goes somewhere in the middle. But the thing about mutual funds is it is very, very much managed by professionals. It's it's a good way, I think, for me personally, if you're opening an IRA or a 401k, mutual funds are a good way to invest those, those uh, dollars because it is meticulously looked at every single day by professional investors who sit at a table every single day to look at it and determine what companies are gonna be in the fund and what companies are not going to be in the fund. However, comma, the problem with mutual funds is, not really problem, but something you have to watch out for mutual funds is because now you're adding somebody else into the loop where before you were just buying like Realty Income Corp or you were just buying Microsoft or you were just buying a company by yourself, now you're inviting somebody else into the process which means you got to pay that person. And so that that's where the fees come into the come into the equation. For mutual funds, usually fees are around 1 to 3%. And basically what that means is rather than rather than you having, I'll just show this chart. Rather than you getting all the gains, let's say a company, let's say you invest like I have a chart on the screen for those who are watching on YouTube. Uh, let's say you invest in a ten thousand dollars into a company, and you're making ten percent gains over into in ten percent gain with the company. However, if you have if you're investing in a mutual fund and the mutual fund has a ratio of about 0.5 percent, an expense ratio of about 0.5 percent. In other words, for every ten percent gain you make, 0.5 percent of that ten percent is going to go to pay the mutual fund manager and the company or whoever it is. So rather than you seeing the full 10% of the gain, you will only see about 9.5% of that gain. So what does that mean? It means you have to, when it comes to mutual funds, you have to pay attention. You have to pay very, very heavy attention to the gains of that 
market. You have to pay very, very high attention to the expense ratio. I said gains. I meant expense ratio of whichever mutual fund that you go with. So if it gets to the point where you're looking at a mutual fund and it's around that 2 to 2.5%, maybe trying to find another mutual fund manager. Some great ones that are out there are Vanguard has some good ones. Uh, Fidelity has some good ones. Um, there's one that starts with a T. I can't remember what it's called, but they have some good ones as well. Plus, you can also look up online for some fund managers where you for some financial advisors where you can sit down and have discussions on how you want to go about it. But look at those fees. Those fees are very important. So the way it basically works for a mutual fund is you as the investor, you show up and you say, hey, I have some money. And then the fund manager says, cool, this is our strategy of how we invest that money. They invest the money for you. They generate returns and then they send that returns back to you. However, they take a percentage of your returns. So you will never see the money being taken out. You will only see the gains that you're making. However, over the long time turn, you can lose a lot of money if you're not if you don't know how much fees are going into it. And there are all types of mutual funds. You can have mutual funds and bonds. You can have mutual funds in, in money markets. You can have mutual funds and stocks. There's all types of different types of mutual funds based on what you want to do. Now, the next one is ETFs. ETFs are similar to mutual funds, but slightly different. So what is the key difference between the two or what are ETFs? ETFs are exchange traded funds. An exchange traded fund is a type of security that involves a collection of securities such as stocks that often tracks an underlying index. Although they can invest in any number of industry sectors or use various strategies, ETFs are in many ways similar to mutual funds. However, they are listed on the exchanges and ETF shares trade throughout the day just like ordinary stocks. So the other thing I forgot to mention about mutual funds is mutual funds are very exclusive in other words the only way you can get a mutual fund is if you go to like vanguard has specific mutual funds on its site you can't just track or buy into a vanguard mutual fund you can't just track or buy into a charles schwab mutual fund mutual funds are very much determined by whoever the portfolio managers are and they are not traded publicly on any markets they're not traded you can't just go and buy into it unlike an etf a ETF is just available publicly. It's a good way to hedge your bet. A good determination of what an ETF is, it's kind of like a stock. It's kind of like the in-between between a stock and a mutual fund. It looks like a mutual fund, but it trades like a stock. In other words, it has a bunch of companies with under one name, and that way, just like a mutual fund, you never have the high highs or the low lows that you will see when it comes to uh, comes to trading on the stock market which is what a, a mutual fund does for you as well. However, the good thing about ETFs is they are much, much, much cheaper than mutual funds because they are passively managed where mutual funds are usually very much actively managed. So when I say passively managed, it just means like they just select a bunch of companies from an index. For example, if you have a mutual funds, I have one pulled up here. It's called the Schwab Strategic Trust. And basically this mutual fund I said mutual fund, my bad. This ETF is basically mirroring what happens on the Dow Jones index. It selects companies within the Dow Jones and says, hey, I want this company, that company, this company, that company. And these are the companies that we'll use to track the Dow Jones index to maybe beat or perform exactly like the Dow Jones index. So that's the idea of mutual funds. 
Now, I mean of ETFs, which ETFs are also a wonderful way for individual investors to invest in the stock market. It's a good way for you to invest passively. I would advise that most people, if you're investing and you're listening to this and you're not exactly keen on learning every little bit about the industries and all this other stuff to know what companies to select, what companies not to select, I will say invest in ETFs. ETFs are your best bet. Do not, don't even worry about looking at individual companies. Just look at ETFs because that way you're not seeing any of the losses. You can see the beneficial things. And there's some great ETFs out there. You have this SCHD that I mentioned earlier, which is the Schwab, the Schwab Strategic Trust. And then you have a, a bunch of good ones from Vanguard. You have some good ones from uh, Fidelity. You have all kinds of really good ETFs. You just have to do your research and find some really good ones. Some of the ones that I like are SDY, SPY, SCHD, XLK, these are all, I'm just saying all these names out loud. You can go back and look these up later on. And just, those are some really good ETFs. But for individual investors or for somebody who you may already have a mutual, I, for example, for me, for my IRA, I already have an IRA where it is professionally managed by somebody who looks over it and determines all that good stuff. So it's basically invested in a bunch of mutual funds. But on my own, doing Robinhood and M1 Finance on my own, I'm invested in a couple of ETFs as well. For example, I talked about that gamer ETF earlier. Or for example, another one that I want to buy is this SCHD uh, ETF as well. So it's a good way to hedge your bet. And it's a good way for you not to waste your money when you're investing. It's just a safer bet. I'll say most people who are listening to this are not going to spend a whole lot of time looking into companies, looking into how a company is doing, learning more about if a company is going to do well or not. It, you won't see the same returns as somebody else who invested in a company, but however, you also won't see the same losses of somebody who invested in a single stock, if that makes any sense. And of course, there are a bunch of different types of uh, mutual funds, I mean, uh, ETFs. There are ETFs that track the S&P 500. There are ETFs that are designed to kind of compete against the S&P 500. And basically, it's called an inverse ETF where they profit based off if the S&P 500 or the Nasdaq or Dow Jones kind of have a decline. And then you have you have all kinds of different ones. You have foreign markets, commodity ETFs. Basically, these and the other good thing about ETFs is they are very highly specific. You can get as specified as you want when you're looking at an ETF. So you can look at if you wanted a high dividend paying ETFs in tech companies only, there's probably an ETF out there where a, a mutual fund probably won't have that. But ETFs, you can have ETFs where it's like, I want gold ETFs with some corn in it and some tech companies. There's an ETF out there for, for you. There's a lot of specific ETFs are very specific, very specified, just like the gamer ETF, where it's literally focused on gaming companies. It's literally focused on just the gaming industrial companies. So that's something to think about with ETFs. It just allows you to track things a lot easier you don't have to research every single company. All you have to do is research that one ETF that may have over a hundred companies. For example, like this Schwab ETF that I keep talking about, it has over, it has a hundred, it has a hundred companies within it. It has companies like Home Depot, Exxon, Intel, uh, Pfizer, Pepsi, Verizon, Coca-Cola, really good companies as well. And plus it shows you 
different industries. It shows you different parts of the stock market industries. It's not just invested in one thing. It's invested in, in multiple different industries. So if one industry is doing bad, you don't see that negative. Rather, you see the you see the cumulative aspect of the good and the bad, rather than seeing like the hundred plus gain and the hundred plus loss. If that makes any sense. And then finally, the last few types of investments that you can make in the stock market are bonds, which bonds we've talked about it in the past. Bonds are fixed income instrument that represents a loan made by an investor to a borrower, typically a corporate corporation or a government. A bond could be thought of as an IOU between the lender and the borrower that includes the details of the loan and its payments. Bonds are used by companies, municipalities, states, and sovereign governments to finance projects and operations. The good thing about bonds is it's usually safer than investing in stocks. However, you don't see it as high of a return for bonds. I don't have any bonds invested, so I can't give you any examples of those. But basically, a lot of people will balance off their portfolios with bonds so that if everything else if the market is doing really bad at the very least they have a safe bet of bonds bonds don't grow a lot bonds don't have a very high return but they're a safe bet they're a good way to just kind of balance out your portfolio to give you some areas of hedging your bet out a little bit and then finally we have the commodity market a commodity market is a physical or virtual marketplace for buying, selling, and trading raw or primary products. So in case y'all didn't know, people track the prices of things like oil. People track the prices of things like corn, soybeans, wheat, cattle, eggs, lumber, fruits, and of course, everything that we already know. We already know people track the price of gold a lot. So you can invest in those things as well. I bet y'all didn't know you could invest in cows, but you, you don't have to be a farmer to invest in cows. These are some of the more safer, just like bonds, commodities are also a safer bet because people are always going to need to eat. People are always going to need to build houses, so lumber. People are always going to need oil in this, in this time and age that we're in because that's just, we need oil to power our everything. And so those are some of the commodities that are traded or I won't say they're really traded, but they're more tracked, but you can invest in them. And they're usually like a fallback plan for most people in their portfolio as a way to like hedge their entire portfolio. Now, I don't have any of these things, whether it's commodities or whether it's bonds, I don't have either one of those. So I don't know a whole lot about them, but it's just some ways that people use to hedge their portfolios to make sure that they, they have a safe option. It's kind of like safer investment options. And finally, let's talk about what a dividend is. A dividend is the, is the distribution of a portion of a company's earnings decided and managed by the company's boards of the board of directors and is paid to a class of its shareholders. It is the total income an investor receives from a stock or another dividend yielding asset throughout the fiscal year. So basically, I'm gonna simplify that. All that means is when you buy a stock that pays a dividend, is basically an income that you receive from the stock. So how the process goes is you buy an investment, the company evaluates the performance for the year, they announce how much a dividend is going to be made, and then they pay it out to you. So for example, if we go to my portfolio and we go to account and we go to history, we can take a look at some of the dividends that I've earned since I've owned uh, different companies. And this one is only showing like in the last year. 
So Nokia paid out a dividend of about four cents. Uh, Microsoft paid a dividend of 46 cents last year and they've increased theirs to 51 cents. Ford paid 15 cents and who else paid me a dividend? I think those are the only ones that paid me a dividend last year. So it's just basically like when you're investing, it's a good, it's a good easy way for you to make income income and for you to be able to invest a little bit faster. Yes, 51 cents does not look like a lot right now. But over time, as I continue adding more money into my portfolio, the only reason why it's 51 cents is because I only own one share of Microsoft. Like we're talking about Realty Income Corp that paid out about $2.80 last year versus Microsoft who paid out about $2.04 last year. So that doesn't seem like a lot for an entire year when you invest in a company. But over time, as you continue to invest, as you continue to put more money, as you continue to own more stocks, as you continue to own more shares within the companies that you own the grow the dividend you make will continue to grow so for me that's the entire idea i think this is me out yeah that's the entire idea of both my robin hood and my m1 finance portfolio both of those are becoming more and more focused on dividend earning i'm becoming more and more focused so that i can make some kind of passive income and make some kind of passive income over time i'm trying to grow these portfolios to where i can make about a thousand dollars a month over time Right now, that seems impossible because you have to put in a whole lot of money to get to that point. I'm thinking it's going to take probably me investing upwards of $100,000 or something like that to see real returns on some of the companies I invest in. However, that may seem like a long time away, but it's one step at a time. It's a day at a time. It's me investing $40 every two weeks. And maybe every once in a while I treat myself and I spend maybe $200 in a day on a stock that I think is really good. So, but that's one of the things where I'm going to be focusing very much on the dividend growth of a business and the way that the business is handling their dividend growth. The cool thing is if you're just investing in ETFs, you can do the same thing. A lot of ETFs pay out a dividend. A lot of ETF pay out a dividend. You can look at the ETF growth of a company and say, how much has this company continually paid in dividends? And a lot of ETFs pay a higher dividend than single stocks because they have multiple stocks under that name. So you can do the same thing with ETFs and you can do that to continually invest it, which is why I'm annoyed with Robinhood that Robinhood doesn't have that passive, uh, doesn't have that uh, automatic investing option or investing in partial stocks. But that's why I use the Robinhood debit that's another reason why i have the robin hood credit um checking account because in the robin hood checking account it basically deposits all the uh all the dividends i earned it puts it in that account and so that way i can use that money to invest back into my main account so anyway that's all i have for today i'm gonna run through all the different types of investments that you can make of course we'll start off with the basic shares it's the one that you already knew about before you even started watching this video the next one is REITs, which is Real Estate Investment Trust. It's basically you investing in different real estate companies that will pay you money later on once when they're investing it. It removes all the headache of you actually having to own any of those properties and handle all of this stuff. Then we talked about mutual funds, which is, is very actively managed by some kind of fund manager. Somebody actually looks at it every single week. It's a good way 
to kind of invest your IRA and your 401k because that one you can be at least have some kind of professional looking at it who looks at it every single day and makes all the moves that may be necessary. The only thing is the fees can be very, very high. It can be very expensive. Make sure that the fees are not above 3% because if it's above 3%, they're cheating you. But if it's about, it's usually ranges from about one to 3%, but even then I would stick closer to that 1% range. Just trying to find good mutual investors that are closer in that 1% range. And you can find that on like Vanguard, Fidelity. They have some really good ones. And you can just look up and search for financial advisors around you and see what their rates are. So you can choose to make an investment in mutual funds. ETFs are similar to mutual funds, but a little bit different because they are publicly traded and can be seen on any stock market index. And they are also cheaper, but it's a good way to hedge your portfolio to make sure that you're invested in a diverse set of companies and you see good returns on it as well. And then finally, we talked about the things that that kind of gives you a backbone to your, not really a backbone, but kind of it's a safe bet when it comes to investing. And that's in bonds and that is also in commodities. And basically both of these both of these things are a safe bet when it comes to investing because at least you will always get your money back if nothing else you will get your money back when you invest in bonds which is basically debt owed by company and commodities which is something that we're always going to be relying upon that's why in times of crisis like right now you see the price of gold going up is because people always think like gold is a great investment whenever the, the market is going down because for some reason we as human beings value shiny objects but anyway, we also talked about what are dividends, which is basically a way for you to make income when you invest. It's basically a company saying, thank you for owning our share and our stock, and we want to show our appreciation to you by paying out a dividend. But that's all I got for y'all today. I hope y'all learned a thing or two. I know I kind of rambled on at some points in this, but I really hope that this helped you to understand what, what investments are available to you in the stock market. But I'll catch y'all up on the next one. It's been your boy Kalichi. God bless each and every single one of y'all. And I'm out. Peace.